love and your service. And we thank you, Lord. We know it's a small offering compared to all that you've done for us. But we do want to express our highest gratitude to you as our Savior and our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you are more than victorious. And hopefully I'll be able to give you two reasons why. Amen. Amen. In Romans 8.37, we have our scripture that declares that. In verse 31, you know, uh, Paul is talking here about the persecution. The church at Rome suffered a great deal of persecution, probably more than most because of where they were located. Rome was still the center of heathen life. You know, it was the center of Caesar's dominion. But yet God grew up a church there. God will grow up a church in places where opposition is great. He never calls for us to have an easy way. As long as we're on this earth, we will have trouble and tribulation. So Paul was exhorting them just to stay faithful to Christ. And he talked in the previous chapter about all of the things that will come against the church. And in verse 31, he says, so what shall we say to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, remember that when you get mad at your husband, your wife, your boss, your best friend, somebody in the church, somebody outside of the church. If God is for you, why are you all upset about something? Huh? Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So that's the foundation of your victory. That Christ has been delivered up for everybody. The church has just become aware of it. But everybody is free to partake of salvation. And he said that he delivered it up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things are possible to you in Christ, not your own strength. Thank God for that. You don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. You can lay that down. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In other words, who can accuse you of any sin now that you've been justified by his blood? Who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is God that justifies us. Amen. It's him that justifies us. Who is he that condemns? Who are you to point the finger at someone else? It is Christ that died, and yea, rather, is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So you've got the spirit of Christ in you. It's resurrection, life, and power. And if that ain't enough, if you get into trouble, he still will pray for you. He prays on your behalf. Amen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, that is tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, of, or the sword. Now with us, it's not nakedness, it's just we don't have the designer stuff we want. Well, it was a joke for those of you who still have a sense of humor. You know, the American church is pitiful. We whine and cry about nothing. You got me? We just want more things, more toys, more stuff. You know, some people backslide over uh, cheap jewelry in somebody's, a sinner's name on their butt. Yeah, I said butt in church. That person on their way to hell and you dying to have their name plastered across your behind. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Now you get mad at, at God and want, I don't have enough money to get with that one. I go back in here with Sister So and So, God. You don't want Sister So and So's life. You might have to do something. It says, shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, 
nakedness or peril of the sword. As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep by the slaughter for the slaughter. That's the Christian. That's the life that you have down here. So when you share Christ with people on your job and they look at you funny. In fact, those of you who are trying to be closet Christians, can I say something about that? They never say anything to anybody about anything. They still know it. Because the Holy Ghost tells on you every time your back is turned. You be going there trying to act all cool like you them and all that. And the minute your back is turned, the Holy Ghost says, she's one of us. <laughs> That's your witness. Your witness is what God lets people know about you. It ain't about what you Religion in the workplace. We don't want no religion in the workplace. God don't either. He wants the truth in the workplace. As it is written, for your sake, the sake of Christ, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He said, because I'm persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, things to come. See, that's all your enemies. Nor height, or death, nor any creature, or created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So first of all, you need to know that you have to fight in order to get victory. You have to take a stand. You know? Some people say any old dead jellyfish can float downstream, but it takes backbone to swim. And it takes more backbone to swim against the current, the current ideas and the current things. What you confront, you will subdue if you continue to confront and not waver in your stand. You must confront something in order to get victory. You can't go along with everything and get victory. You can't be a yes person and get victory. God has defeated all of our enemies, even death. So we are more than conquerors, number one, because we're loved. Paul said it right there. It says we're conquerors through him that loved us. You know, people in the world can get victory over a lot of things, but they don't have the love of God to sustain them. And to keep them intact, even with the difficult life they may have to live. Now, the Christian, especially the early Christian, had a very difficult life. They, they didn't meet in public places oftentimes because it was too dangerous to meet. They would go from house to house. They would preach. They took care of one another. They had all things in common. There was no little eyes and big U's. They all submitted to one another in the fear of God. We know this by the type of ministry that came forth out of the early church. They'd have miracles. People were raised from the dead left and right. If they knew one of the apostles was coming, they halted the funeral. Huh? They had the dressmaker. Of course, that's a whole other sermon for women. <laughs> cry when they die sometimes too especially the good ones Uh, but there's the dressmaker that's died and so they were preparing her body for burial and they heard peter was in town and they said oh stop the funeral resurrection life and power our apostles know how to do that they're not just named apostles and go around trying to collect money from under insecure preachers that want to be under their covering you know my mother always told me not to lay down with nobody and put the cover over you and that's true now we got wolves running around just devouring insecure ministers and ministries and churches because they don't know how to go to God for what they need for themselves you got me but their apostles had the goods. Yes. Apostles' ministry is, is validated through signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. I don't lay down with nobody who don't have signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. You got me? So I sleep alone. Yes. 
Now, you see, all the single people act like they don't know what I'm talking about. Are oh, you fakers? You might as well say amen just like everybody else. Is we supposed to understand this or not? Where was I? God fights for us because he's motivated by love. See, the early church understood that. They understood that God's love was so great that he put resurrection power. You know, this woman was being buried, and they loved her dearly. The Bible says that. And they wept, and they began to show one another all the clothes that she had made. And so somebody that's spiritual and a little normal, I won't say carnal, I'll say normal. She said, what? Dorcas the dressmaker died? Call the preacher. Call the apostle. We got to get her up again. And sure enough, they raised her up from the dead. And she went on to make more fabulous things. She kept the ladies of the church fabulous. See, God is no respecter of persons or gifts. You think that's, that's like... Well, why would he raise up a simple dressmaker? Because somebody loved her and said, let's do it. Huh? They loved her and said, let's do it. That's all you have to have in God is the love of God. So in this sense, you saw the early church, they were more than conquerors. They already had Christ. They had the gospel. They had all their needs met. But when they walked into the love of God, the raw love of God that says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. See, that's what makes us more than conquerors. See, we have the whatever of God to rely on at all times. We can get whatever we want. Jesus looks down and says, a dressmaker died. Well, they love her and they're asking for my help. Father, let's raise her up. Huh? Let's raise her up. Preachers would be cast in jail, in chains, and they'd pray for them to get out. Why? Because they love them. So the love of God compels us to go above, over, and beyond what the normal situation would call for. It causes us to go deeper into the things, into God's will and into his desire and into his heart for things. So that's how you're more than a conqueror. Anybody can defeat enemies. You can get a good lawyer and get out of jail. But do you have that extra that God gives you because he loves you, because he understands you, because he gives you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance? That you're not stripped of all your humanity and dignity and all possibilities of a normal life because you made a mistake? See, when God gives you victory, you are more than a conqueror because you have something the average person who goes through that same situation does not have. You have evidence of his love somewhere in your life where you've been beyond redemption. You've been beyond your excuses. You've been beyond, you know, making your own way in things. And God has come through for you anyway. So you have him and you have a whole lot more. And that makes you more than a conqueror. So when God fights for us, he is motivated by love. When he fights for his children, he's motivated by love. Now, God will answer your prayers. He will answer prayers for you on behalf of other people. But they are not more than conquerors. They might get out of the soup and out of the fire. And because of their bad behavior and and fallen nature, they're right back in again. So they cannot experience that that we have, that we're more than conquerors. When the Hebrew boys were confronted by a king who said, everybody's got to bow, when they hear... uh, Who's popular now? I'll tell me. I won't. Ain't nobody condemning nobody. You young people. Who's popular? Popular singer. Oh, her. She old news. Give me somebody that's. Huh? Oh, her. Okay. Give me a, a man. Somebody. Whatever. They all. I know about them. I thought y'all was gonna give me some. Huh? Yeah. Oh, Lou Wayne. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, the king said, when you hear Lil Wayne, everybody in the house got to get up and dance to Lil Wayne. Well, it would be the same thing for us. If all of a sudden, you know, the mayor of the city where you live said, we've made a law now and everybody got to dance to this music. Huh? 
Well, they refused to dance to it. They said, no, we save our dance for our holy God. See, you get to dance in the Lil Wayne on Friday and Saturday night, and then you jump up in church on Sunday. You might take Lil Wayne's spirit with you to church. I mean, y'all left that door wide open. I'd be crazy not to walk through that. Huh? Then all the saints know where you've been. Praise the Lord. Huh? But they refuse to dance to the, the worldly music. They refuse to play the world's game. They refuse to do what people of the world did. And there was a penalty for that, that you get thrown in the fire. So they said, well, we're not even thinking twice about this. We made our decision already. See, this is where you get into that realm where you can be more than a conqueror. See, you can go through the same thing somebody else goes through and worse. Huh? Christians, really, if we lived in the world, we'd be in therapy. We'd be in 15, 12-step programs. We'd be so booked up after work, we, we couldn't even buy, almost get to church, you know, because you're so booked up with your support groups and your... You know, if you if you had some disease, you got to have a support group for that now. If you if you had an accident, you got to have an accident support group. If you know some relative of yours was murdered, you got to have a support group for that. You got support groups for everything now. So even with the support groups that the world has, they'll never get victory over any of that damage to their souls. You got the love of God in you. See, that love of God ministers to you through the atoning work of the blood of Jesus that erases all iniquity. There's not a trace of it left. So, those Hebrew boys told the king, they said, Oh, king, you know what? We're not even, we, we don't even have to think about this. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to fast about it. We made our decision a long time ago when we accepted Christ. That we accept everything that goes along with that package. The king said, we got to throw you in the fire. You do what you do, we do what we do. You do king, we do Hebrew boy. And the Bible says the king was so angry that they didn't get scared. And he heated up the fire seven times, so much so that when the dude that was throwing the the more uh, fuel in there opened the door, he got burned up. And they stepped in there, walked through. Nothing's wrong with them. The king had to peek in there to see what was going on. He said, what's happened to my fire? That's what some of y'all bosses going to say when you get your job back. What happened to my firing them? What happened to my fire I put? What happened to my what happened to when I set them up to get fired? What happened to the fire I prepared for them? Huh? He looked and he said he saw what was a fourth man in the fire. He's always in there with us, folks. He's not now listen, you're not in trouble and Jesus decides if he's gonna jump in there with you. He ain't like your last boyfriend or your last girlfriend or your last whatever. Oh, these brothers put a ring on your finger, a toe, or whatever they ringing up these days. Your nose, well, baby, baby, you know, you know that. Huh? Now I can't get you what I want to get you. See, that's your excuse to turn around, exit stage, reverse. Oh no, if you can't get me what you want to get me, what you doing with anything coming up in here? I'm willing to wait two months, 60 days. That's more than the creditors will give you. Don't take that brother but a day to go out and charge something that he wants. But the fourth man jumps in there with you from the beginning. He's always with you. In fact, he gives you the courage to speak up for yourself. He gives you the ability to think beyond what you see and understand that he's with you. And the Bible says that after a while, the king got, got upset and he said, well, pull him out. 
Maybe they suffered enough injury, it'll make me feel like my decree is worth something. See, the devil wants to hurt you. He wants to wound you. Even if he can't destroy you, if he can take something away from you in the process, he wants to do that. He wants to see you cry about something, want to see you lost something, want to see you upset about something. He just wants to see something of a token where he can feel powerful. But the Bible says they brought him out and they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, they stood for a long time examining them. Checking their clothes out. No clo- no burn on their clothes. The skin wasn't burnt. They didn't look any different whatsoever. And they said, did they even go in the fire? Where did they go? In the cleft of the rock. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. They were in there all the time. The shadow of the Almighty is the most powerful place you can ever be in your life because he loves you. That's where his beloved is all the time. Huh? The shadow of the Almighty. The Bible says he will cover you with his feathers and under his wing you'll safely trust. Now don't act like you're passing out. I... <laughs> you know I was going to mess with it. Huh? But when God does that, he does that because he loves you. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. His great love for us does this. The ones he loves, he protects. You're hidden in the shadow of the Almighty at all times if you stay under there. When we make our mistakes, it's trying to come out and do our own thing. You do you in Christ. Don't you do you in nothing else. Huh? You'll mess up severely. But if you'll stay in the spirit, God will protect you and help you and keep you. If you get out in the flesh and try to do you in the flesh and mess up. If you'll ask him to forgive you, he will and reestablish you and cleanse you from the stupidity that got you in that trouble to begin with. You don't want to be constantly making mistakes and have to be corrected and and all that process. Well, he doesn't want that for you either. So he has a remedy for our iniquity. He has a remedy for the things that seem to get us in trouble over and over and over again. Problems. He has his love. Once you learn how to stay in the love of God and get swallowed up in that and love God every day. Every day on the job, every day in with your family, every day, wherever you are, you learn how to love God in those things. What does that mean? That means to let him speak to your heart, to yield to him, to not try and, and boast and do your own thing and be somebody. The Bible says we die all day long, die daily. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. If you'll let God slaughter that part of you, That wants to be knowledgeable, that wants to be credible, that wants to be wonderful, that wants to be all that. If you let him have that and nail that to the tree and humble yourself to him, then you'll be raised up in power you don't know anything about. Never seen it before. You know, we need to quit messing with each other's minds about what we got, what we going to get, what we, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get, you ain't going to get nothing can't even barely get yourself up out of bed to get to that job you think is so wonderful. Huh? But see, God blesses us with a few things, and pretty soon we take on the, the attributes of somebody that got that for ourselves. If you're a Christian and they're a Christian, you know they don't have anything going to their credit. They just stumbled up and got blessed some kind of way. Huh? Sure. And the truth of it, most of you who are, are praying parents in this ministry, your kids, if you didn't pray right for them, wouldn't have what they have. And you know that. And they want to get up and start talking, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. Huh? <laughs> we need to cut it out. And just keep yourself humble before God. 
But see, in all these things, we're more than conquerors because his great love even overshadows our boastful nature, our insecure minds where we think we have to pretend to people that we're this and that because we've got to prove something to man all the time. His love will cover that up. We're more than conquerors even over those things that we think aren't that bad. Huh? All your no-nos that aren't that bad a no-no, there's not as bad as somebody else's. But it's keeping you from getting your victory in God. Before we can move to higher levels of, of blessing, we have to move up to higher levels of ability to carry those blessings in Christ. Higher levels of commitment to him to do everything through us. Now this is interesting. This takes the utmost humility and the utmost of love. Because now you've got God working through you. And you get no credit for anything that he's doing. And it's got to be okay with you. Because you love him as much as he loves you. In fact, in fact you don't mind taking the lesser spot. Because you can never repay him. For the great things that he's done for you through his love. And so we have to let God manifest through us and just humbly, you know, accept encouragement or whatever comes our way. But also to allow God to get glory from that where we can they can look at us and see that it's God moving through us because we're not boastful. We're not proud. We're not any of those things. Abraham walked with God for a season and was blessed of God. God Abraham was very rich. He was a military man. He turned all of his servants, household servants and field servants and herdsmen into soldiers. He was bad, honey. You you didn't mess with nothing Abraham had. Are you kidding me? He defeated kings. He was a king on the earth in his own right, though he never had that title. Wonder why? Because he respected God had given him all of these things and he didn't need title. In fact, the only time it's recorded he ever fought for anything, he fought on behalf of somebody else. Crazy nephew Lot. Freeloader. Always getting in trouble and saying, you know my uncle Abraham, don't you? Just bringing it so y'all can understand. Pookie and man man. Huh? Them two renegades you always praying for. Huh? And so Abraham was really a king in his own right. That's why Melchizedek was willing to see him and receive tithes of him. He received from kings. You got me? So God had given him all those things and then the day came where he told Abraham this. He said, walk before me and be perfect. In other words, all that you've accomplished through me so far, I want you to lay that aside and lay that down because now I'm really getting ready to use you. Huh? Sometimes we look at what we do for God and we think, boy, you know, well, compared to the lazy daisy church, you are doing a lot. God bless you for that. But I'm telling you, there is so much more to what you can do in God if you will lay that down. And let God move through you in the way he wants to. So he told Abraham one day, he said, when it says, be thou perfect, walk before me and be thou perfect. That means man up, mature. He said, up to now, Abraham, you've been living off of my hand. You've got a good reputation. I've made you a good name. I've made you rich. I've done all these things for you. He said, but now I'm getting ready to change your name, change your identity. You're going to walk in a new love of me and you're going to be great. He said, your name is big now, but I told you I'd make your name great. In order for your name to be great, you've got to lay down some more stuff and walk before me and watch how you walk now. You can't go down to Egypt when you get hungry. Huh? You can't move unless I tell you to move. You got me? You can't do anything out of your wits no more. Because this here, this is important. This is the biggie. And so you got to be careful. you got to walk softly before me so that I can show you what great love I have for you. Because I'm going to make you greater than you ever knew you could be before. Where Abraham has settled for one bootleg son. 
gosh, who am I talking to this morning, Lord? Huh? Bootleg, something you got on your own without God's help and hope he didn't see you when you did it. Huh? Can I bring this along anyhow? You know what God told Abram? No. You can't bring baby's kids into what I got for you. Huh? He said, I've redeemed everything you did wrong, but this one I'm not doing it for because I have set something better for you than living off the stolen goods you had when I met you. See, there comes a time when we have to walk before God and be very careful to respect what he's doing in our lives and be very careful to allow God to work for us. Now, there's two men missing. Go get them because I don't want them conversing out there. They need to be in here and hear the word. Huh? We're not going to have that. You don't come to church to waste your time or God's time or disrespect God. It's disrespectful. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you're going to get the word when you come here. Huh? I kill every devil I see. Amen? Praise God. Hmm? So, God is able then to cause us to mature to a level where we can carry more of his power, more of his spirit, get greater victory over more things. Why? Because he loves us. He loved Abraham enough to not let him settle for part or a bootleg promise or a promise that he tried to make for himself, but he told Abraham, cash it all in. Huh? There comes a point in your life where you've got to just wipe the slate clean, see it all come down, see it all fail, see it all fall apart, so that he can raise up something greater in your life. Amen? So he took Isaac away. Or he sent Isaac out with his mama, the baby mama thing. The legitimate kid was fighting with the, the other one. Huh? Isaac was probably the type of kid, you know, you know, sometimes a kid a little bit older, they can get that little jealousy thing on them for the new baby. Huh? He probably went in the, in the, uh, the, the uh, you know, the crib and picked up, Picked up Isaac by the foot. Mama, the baby crying. Shut up, baby. Uh, that's where we get shaking baby syndrome from. Uh-huh. The Isaac Ishmael thing. <laughs> Mama, the baby crying. <laughs> or, you know, some of them dragged the baby out with the blanket. They hit the floor. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Mama, the baby crying. Huh? And Mama said, "Oh, he tried to help. No, I think he tried to kill that little baby. You better go get your baby if you want him to want him to survive another diaper changing. Come on now." So God told Abraham to, "Uh-uh, that you, this will not. You cannot let this go in with the rest. Huh? You can't do it. So there are some things God will not allow." Once you get to a certain level where God is going to bless you and where God is going to help you, there, sir, you've got to walk before him and do only what he tells you to do. Now, he's been in. See, this is where many people never get to because they don't trust God enough to let him remove some things that their hearts are tied up in. Huh? Well, this is my job. I went to school for this for years. Uh, cast that baby out with the bathwater. Huh? Kick that thing out. Because that's not yours. That's not what I have for you. See, we yet don't trust the love of God. Because many times we don't experience the love of God. We're not careful to, to worship God in a way where we know that he loves us. Where we can be close to him. And he can be close to us. And so unless we get assured of God's love and we know that we can be more than conquerors through everything. You look back at at difficult places you've been in. You thought you were going to lose your house. 
God still kept a roof over your head. You thought you were going to have everything taken away from you. See, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a decent car. No credit. No this. No that. Well, you're driving something new, aren't you? Because God came through for you and came through for you big time. It's because of the love of God. It's not the power of your prayers. It's not the power of your faith. It's not the power of anything to do with you. It's because you have a love covenant with him. And he wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you happy. He wants to see you fulfilled. He wants all these things for you. But he wants to do it for the new person that you are. Not for the old carnal thing that, that all that, that you die every day to that. You're counted as a sheep to the slaughter because of that. And so God wants us to walk before him as mature Christians. Who can accept some discipline. When God tells you you can't do certain things and you don't go here and you don't go there. And you disconnect with that person. You disconnect with that one. You don't whine all day and say, well, they okay. It's nothing wrong with that. Hmm? You accept it. Like Job. He said, hey, God could kill me. I'd still trust him. Are you kidding me? He's done too much for me. The problem is with you, devil, you come too late in my life to try to persuade me against God. Huh? When he saved us, he'd already done too much if we get an understanding of what salvation really is. Huh? Huh? You mean to tell me one day you were scared you were going to go to hell and somebody came and you remembered that you made fun of them years ago when they first told you about Jesus? And God made you remember that story? And you put it together and you prayed and all of a sudden you reassured you're not going to hell anymore? You mean to tell me that doesn't affect us permanently? That just that touch of what God's done... It's not enough to command that we would love him all the days of our lives and do anything for him? You kidding me? We've escaped the great fire. Huh? The Hebrew boys only had the world's fire. We got eternity's fire we've escaped. Amen? And not only that, but we have a covenant of blessing with him. Blessing. That we are blessed and not cursed. We are above only and not beneath. We're the head and not the tail. Would anybody do that for you that doesn't love you? He positions us in such a way that we never have to be worried or concerned about anything that we do wrong or have done wrong or will do wrong. You don't have to be concerned about that. You don't have to try and cover up for your own iniquity, your own sins. He's already covered that for you. That's gone. Huh? It's gone. So whenever we go through difficulty, yeah, we'll be conquerors because he'll deliver us from all the power. But we're more than that. See, we're more than that. Because of his great love for us. We're more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. So the first thing that you need to know that, that he's delivered you from and that you have victory over is you have power over death. In Isaiah 25, now we'll go first to 1 Corinthians 15. I'll show you that. 1 Corinthians 15. What, did I scare the children? They're all gone. Oh, my goodness. 1 Corinthians 15. So when this corruptible, in other words, your corruptible body, your body, the the physical tent you live in that's subject to decay, which for most of us is happening even as we speak. When this corruptible shall have put on uh, incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So the first overcoming that he did for us, really, when we were born again, was overcome death for us. Now, this is very important for the believer, because if you go through life as a Christian and you're afraid of dying, you haven't really partaken of the reality that's there for you in the atoning work of the blood of Jesus. 
You know, I'm convinced that many times that's why Christians refuse to get prayer before they make a decision about. You get symptoms or sickness. The Bible's real clear. It says call for the elders of the church. Now, if your church don't have elders or you don't know who that is, then call the doctor. Because you probably don't even know that scripture's there either. But the elders of the church, you can easily, you can call a prayer line. And there's plenty of that kind of help for us if your church does not have that for you. But the Bible says what God clearly wants you to know is I love you enough to want to take care of that for you myself. It's not forbidding anybody to go to the doctor. You know, we always take this dogmatic twist on things. Like legalism. You can, you can't. You should, you shouldn't. Huh? No, what God says is I, don't, I want to be with you in this and have your permission to be with you even in your suffering, in your pain, in your illness. So he says call for the elders of the church and to expect that the prayer of faith will save you. And that God will raise you up. That means you'll get up from the bed of sickness. You got me? God will do that. Amen? God will do that. For so many years, the early church did that. And then they got to the point where through persecution, the church got watered down. They didn't have the faith that they started out with in the elders of the church. The elders really would be the apostles and the prophets, the fivefold that God had set in office there. They're the ones who are anointed to get you healed before God. We have a covenant, a contract with God that we have to serve and minister to you. That's our only job here. You got me? I don't care what else we think we do for a living as far as I'm concerned. That's your only job. You got me? And so what God is saying then is I have power in my church to raise you up from any sickness, any affliction that will come upon you. Now, when the church started to get more and more persecuted, they quit doing what they needed to do to keep the power in the church. But they kept doing that scripture until now it's gotten to be known as the last rites. Remember that? It survived, but in the wrong form, in a powerless form. So they'll come and anoint you with oil. The Catholics still do it, extreme unction. They'll come and anoint you with oil, but they wait till you almost dying to do it. To hope it takes you over. But see the scripture still there. And it's still powerful. For people who will use it in faith. You got me? And in faith God wants to be with you. Even in your sickness. But I'm convinced. That many people that. If they get anxious. When they're sick. And they don't even get prayer first or they don't call the pastor and say, you know what, I'm not feeling well. Can you pray for me? Well, the first thing out of my mouth is that none of the diseases, you don't have no disease. Because if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, well, what does that mean? Did you go to church? Oh, yeah, I missed a couple Sundays, but I was there to let. That's diligent. Diligent really means, diligent doesn't mean that you're on an attendance kick. It just means you don't quit going back. You're persistent in your pursuit of God. You stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Even though the devil's tried to pull you away many times, you keep going back and you keep going back and you keep going back because you diligently pursue God and you don't want to let him go. Got me? And if you ain't diligent, guess what? If you've committed any sins, they are forgiven. Well, no, I haven't been diligent. In fact, I've been mad at the saints. Well, you better repent because you're sick now. And you need to repent and God will restore you to righteousness and heal you of all afflictions. You got me? So that prayer of faith does a lot to keep us over on the love side with God so we don't lose our footing and our status and our grounding in God. But I'm convinced that there are many saints who are afraid of death still even though they're born again. 
Because the first thing they'll do, the doctor tell them something. Oh, they all upset. No. I said, listen, if the devil kills you, he still can't take your body to hell. Are you aware of that? Well, I don't want you. What you saying? I'm going to die? Yeah, one day we're all going to get there. Huh? You might as well face it. But the Bible says that for fear of death, man is subject to bondage to that fear. You're chained and you're shackled because you are yet not letting the fact that you are saved, filled with God, have eternal life in you, take hold of your life in such a way that it breaks the chains of bondage and fear off of you. Huh? So then if God be for you, who can be against you? Not even death is against you. Some people want to hang on forever. I kind of wonder what some of them people live like up in their 90s to. I wonder what they think about every day. Man, they've been here so long. You know, you think about that. But you know God has something. There's Wherever there is life, there's God in that person. There's God guiding that person. There is purpose to it. Now, don't y'all come to me when I'm 90 and say, what you thinking about this? I'm thinking about pushing you down the steps with my wheelchair. I'm going to get me a motor on mine. Like a, what, what is that I have? Dual exhaust. I'm, shoot it right down the, huh? But we are more than conquerors because of his great love. You, you can get over a lot of things in life. But I'm telling you, the love of God ministering to you, on a consistent basis, making his word real in your life. Letting you know that because you have problems, you're not a failure. Letting you know that he'd be with you if you get up, though a man be stumble, he's not utterly cast down. You're not cast down forever. He'll still raise you up and get you up and help you. And strengthen you and mature you so that you can go on and have the more of God and the more in God. So when death is swallowed up in victory, where was I? 1 Corinthians 15. Sorry about that. He says in, in, in 54, 1 Corinthians 15, 54, he says, Then shall be brought to pass the saying, now this was said in Isaiah, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? These things have no victory over the believer, even as you walk through this life. You should be able to walk through this life. And see, this is what I think hinders many people in believing God for divine health and believing him to be healed. Is if they, they feel that there's some power still in death. And then you get focused on the fear of death over and over and over again. And then you say, well, I just don't feel like I'm going to get well this time. You start to succumb to that. See, those ideas can hit anybody. They'll start to hit people when they get a little bit older. You know, you've been used to, you know, having youth on your side. And looks. And health and everything else. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) And the enemy begins to play with your mind. You know, you're losing this. You lose. <laughs> I'm not losing everything. I'm keeping my teeth. I made a decision about that. But <laughs> them's mine. The ones in that box, too. There's my little joke. It's an old joke. Uh-huh. But the enemy starts to play around with people's minds. There was a man of God, uh, Kenneth Copeland got a letter from a man It was in the island somewhere and he said at that time he, he said I prayed about every invitation that came in and God told me to go down there this man of God and help him out and he was saying he was transitioning his ministers uh, in the ministry because he felt that God was going to take him home and so Brother Copeland went down there and, and he said that the, the ministry said, oh, they were well trained. He said, they, you know, signs and wonders in their ministries, they're all enthusiastic. And he said, when I would get home to the, the man of God that I was helping out, he said, we'd sit there and he said, well, how are my, my ministers doing? And they'd share. And Brother Co- oh, they did this, and they know, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was always very uplifting. 
And so this man of God began to tell him how he started the ministry, what God had done and all this. And they would do this every evening after Brother Copeland had gone and visited all the ministers around the village in the daytime. And he said about the third or fourth day he came in and the man of God said, you know what, Brother Copeland, I think I'm going to let you go home. I think I'm not going to die now. He says, I've talked to the Lord about this again. He said, I felt I'd got an answer that, you know, it's quits. And he said, and the Lord has told me, well, as long as you want to live, I'll keep you living. But what had happened was, through their edifying, building up one another in the ministry of God's word, the love of God. See, other than that, they're just words. But the love of God makes them real, gives life to them, gives energy, divine energy to his word. That Brother Copeland thought so highly of him. See, you've got to be careful to have the right people around you at the right times. Because you could easily pull the wrong number get Job's accusers around you. Huh? Huh? You've got to ask God. And, you, and God sent the right man of God with the right spirit on him. And he said he never thought about asking him if he should pray for him. But he said, you have resurrection power resident on the inside of you if you know how to draw from that well. He said, and that word began that that man had known was in him for so long. Instead of being pushed down by death and by age and by what he thought was inevitable, began to raise him up now in new resurrection life and power. You have the power to raise your own stuff from the dead. You have the power to let yourself minister to yourself and speak life to yourself. Get yourself off of a dead of a bed of affliction, poverty, whatever it is that's got you shackled and bound by the fear of death. You can get yourself free from that. So it says here, by through fear of death, men were bound all of those years. Isaiah 25, and this will be the last one we'll do. Isaiah 25. <clears throat> And verse verse 6, I'll start there. It says, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all the people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined, And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over the people. In the NIV, uh, Pastor Shirley, is that the, do you have the NIV? Okay, who has an NIV? I had, um, you got a translation on you. See, this is the iPad people. You got a, oh, Miss Tony, you got it? Okay, sweetie, come on. Yeah. Let me see what you got. Isaiah 25. And verse, yeah, on verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Does that sound like anybody scared about poverty there? On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. A shroud is a burial. Fear of death. God has destroyed the fear of death. On what mountain? Calvary. Where he suffered and died for us. Isaiah prophesied about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, that veil that's been spread over all the nations, the shroud of death that has humanity bound because of fear of death. I'm telling you, you need to have a showdown with the devil sometimes. He puts a headache on you or he puts a bad report on you or something like that. Devil, listen, if you can kill me, kill me. You got to get through the blood. You got to get through the resurrection life and you got to get through the love of God. Now, if you can penetrate all that, then I will submit to it. But I give you 10 minutes to see if, if any power can't kill you in 10 minutes, you can live. You got me? You don't need to get a devil ten minutes. Honey, if he could kill you, he'd do it in a second. 
He grabs people with heart attacks all the time. They drop dead, convulsing on the floor. Nobody, well, you know, you need to call 911. No, we need to know CPR. Now they get defibrillators in public places. Now, back in the day, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you all about that. When I was a nurse, those things you didn't mess with. They, they weren't play toys. You can't get them things to everybody. You can electrocute yourself with that stuff. Are you kidding me? That's like putting somebody in the electric chair right there on the streets, but they let people do it. Why? Because people are so scared of dying. People have such a fear of death. But you don't have that. God's replaced fear of death with his divine love, with his great love. You could say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Taking my material things away, that's nothing. You can't make me cry. Huh? Took my husband away. I was 54 years old. You can't make me cry. Huh? Not anymore about it. You got me? What do you want to take, devil? You can't make me cry. You can't make me serve you. You can't make me be afraid of dying. I was raised up when I met God, folks. I was supposed to be history. I, I was supposed to have been dead at least seven times before I even got saved. And times after that. You got me? So make me cry, devil. Take something else and see if I'll cry, devil. No, because I live in the great love of God. I know that he loves me. I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that when I begin to speak against the devil, whatever he's threatening me with, he must move because of the love of God. Not because of who I am. But because I know he loves me. I know he died for me. I know he will yet freely give me anything my heart desires. I know that. As long as my Redeemer lives, I don't fear the devil, his death. Are you kidding me, devil? Kill me. I'll go to heaven to be with God. And I'll be able to watch everything else from the sidelines. Watch him whip your butt coming and going. Huh? I, I believe God that every watchman down here say, God... Our preacher's dead. What can we do to get the devil back? Huh? His great love, folks. You don't fear dying. You can go run off and let the the physicians do anything they want to do to you because you're so scared if you don't get their help, you won't make it. You call for the elders of the church. You let us pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And that prayer of faith will save you. Huh? How many of you are not dead yet because of the prayer of faith? You know, every time you come up to that altar for something, that whatever, if you, if you didn't get that prayer, that thing has the potential to take you out of here eventually. You understand me? But the prayer of faith has kept most of us alive much better and longer than we know. And all you have to do is step up and receive. Because he loves you. He doesn't want you to live in lack and live without. How dare we be upset with life? How dare you be upset that you don't have this yet? I got my checklist out. And God ain't brought me nothing. He ain't going to bring you nothing. He only brings, he, listen, I wouldn't bring you nothing either. And I, I'm a human being just like you. I'm scared of you. Yeah. Honey, God only goes to the door of thankful people. Yeah. You got me? I would only want to go to the door of thankful people. Yeah. I, and I ain't God. Yeah. You know, some of us be looking so rough and mean and, well, God better bless me. throw it in the door and run for his life are you kidding me I have fellowship with that huh absolutely not God goes in the door of the thankful huh remember when the, those three men visited Abraham they, they were a, a picture of the father son and holy ghost and what did the bible say he did they were looked like they were going to pass him by he ran after him he said hey come over here <laughs> come in here yeah, let me get the best out for you. Let me do my best around you. Can I have anything I got up in here? I just want your presence. Because he loves us, folks. We don't have to fear death or anything associated with death.
That's why many times when, you know, the more the people understand the love of God, the more, you know, that back in the day we used to call them funerals and all. Now they're home-going services. And that's not just some religious phrase. But people really believe that they are being welcomed into heaven or have been already before we even have the services. You got me? That God does have that special place for his beloved. And God will give you as many days as you want. The Bible says he'll satisfy you at long life. So if you're not satisfied yet, live a little bit longer to see. God, I want to live long enough to get fully satisfied, to see satisfaction. Well, I've seen satisfaction. I want to see some more satisfaction. I'm not satisfied with the satisfaction that I have that I'm satisfied with. Let me go get some more satisfaction. Huh? So be fully persuaded. Huh? Be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, things present, things in the past, Huh? Your past will not stand between you and the love of God. Huh? I don't care if your past was ten minutes ago. It can't stand between you and the love of God. Okay? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised and adored. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for this great love that you've given us, conquering the fear of death, conquering the shroud of death. Father, you've ripped it all to pieces for us, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, if you need prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Amen? Praise God.